Hi, I'm Mandy Learn. And I'm Stephanie Keeley. Thank you for joining us for Women Who Work. Before we start the episode, we wanted to remind you to follow, rate, and review the podcast so more listeners like you can find us. You can also help your colleagues and friends join the conversation by sharing this episode with your networks. Now back to the show. What I've found is that if I have that transparent communication with a team, it allows me to build trust. And by building that trust with the team, it allows them to feel safe speaking up. And then we can open the doors to sharing, to experimenting and knowing that it's okay to try new things, that not everything is going to work, um, to maybe take some risks sometimes and um, and maybe come to a, a point where you do something that maybe you didn't think was achievable and, and actually get it accomplished. Welcome back to the Women Who Work podcast, and hello to those joining us for the first time. We are excited to keep discussing the essentials for leading in your life and career because as women who work, we just can't separate the two. Thanks for being here with us. Each episode, we challenge ourselves to bring you real conversations about the real things women are facing in the world of work today, and you have a place in this conversation. So in this episode today, we are talking about an aspect of communication that comes up often, transparency. We also have an interview with Allison Shank, Director of Pharmaceutical Coatings at Ashland, who shares about the leadership landmarks of trust, communication, relationships, and more. Let's dive in. So we talk to leaders um, and we ask them, like, what are the key things in leadership that you think are most important when you're working with teams and um, leading projects? And every time communication comes up, it you know, communication is key to leadership. Um, but then when you get a little more granular, I found that it can't, it's not just communication generally, but there's an aspect of communication that is um, especially useful for the most successful leaders, and that is transparency. Yeah. And when we were starting, or at least when I was starting to think about this topic in terms of preparing for um, the episode today, I thought, well, we hear about transparency and leadership a lot. And I think that emerged as a key leadership skill during the pandemic. And, you know, and I thought, well, why is transparency so important? Why do uh, employees, you know, want transparency in their leaders? And really, when it comes down to it, it comes transparency truly equals trust, because you can't have any sort of collaboration without a good level of transparency. What do you think, right. Stephanie? What what do you why do you think that people want transparency in their leaders? Well, I think transparency demonstrates a level of honesty and authenticity mm. um, that we're craving from our leaders. You know, we want to know that they are people who are truthful and yeah. um and vulnerable enough to know who they are and those elements of of transparency do, like you said, they, they 
equate trust. And in organizations that have a high level of trust, there is that innovation and there is that collaboration. And so it's kind of like taking all the pieces backwards to where, okay, well, how do you create that trust? You do need some transparency there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, but then how do you kind of create the environment or atmosphere that will create that? I mean, what do you think is require a required piece of the environment to engender trust and transparency? You know, I think there are, there are a lot of levels of that, but when we think about transparency and communication, there's both transparency from the bottom up and from the top down. Leaders want from their team transparency. They want Mm -hmm. their team members to be honest with them when things go wrong um, Mm -hmm. so that they can help in fixing it and so that there is ownership of a problem. Um, But also we have to have that top-down transparency so that teams can continue to follow in good faith the decisions that are being made at the the top levels. So that means executives have to own it when they make mistakes, just like we're Mm -hmm. expecting others to do the same. And, you know, I'm mentioning mistakes here because I do think that's a piece of transparency that's often missed. You know, we don't want to admit when things have gone wrong or when we've made errors, but um, doing so, owning those things really goes a long way in terms of transparency. So you've got to create a culture where there is some safety in making failures, right? Yeah, absolutely. That psychological safety that I know we've talked about before, Mm -hmm. um, when we think about belonging and, and, um, organizations with strong cultures, that's, that's right here with, with the same topic is creating safe spaces so that people can be vulnerable enough to share and can provide, um, real transparency in their communication. Right. And, uh, and when, when we think about this too, when you think about trust and, um, it kind of brought up for me, another flip side of the coin. Now, when we mm-hmm. talk about transparency, that doesn't, and, and clarity and honesty and trust in your communication, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, the overly positive, right? Um, you know, we've heard the toxic positivity phrase. And I think that, I think this is a good distinction to bring into the conversation here is that that's not what we're saying either. And and when you are being transparent and honest, um, it doesn't mean that you're being overly positive um, for whatever the situation is either. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think that good, true transparency is really rooted in your recognition of what reality really truly is and how you communicate that to whoever you you need to communicate that to, whether it's your own stakeholders, whether it's to your team or people that you're managing. Um, you've got to have a good sense and a true understanding of re- what the reality is. So you can be honest and truthful and in communicating. Yeah, it's such a it's such a good point. Um, you know, sometimes we in an effort to kind of do the checkbox of, oh, I'm transparent. Oh, I've communicated mm, enough mm-hmm. with my teams. We'll sometimes um almost fool ourselves into thinking we've we've checked those boxes by doing things like uh, giving of giving information, but dressing it up as 
that toxic positivity that you're talking about, mm-hmm. like, oh, everything's fine. It's going to be great because, right. um, and then feeling the silver like, lining is yes. Yes. Silver yeah. lining. Exactly. Well, and I think because, um, people can see through it anymore, right? Like they can kind of see through the BS and they just really want to under, would they really want to feel like their leaders are being truthful to them? And in a, and like you mentioned, um, in an authentic way, yeah, it takes away authenticity if you're yeah. just dressing it up with a PR spin. That's that's yes. not the point we're going for with transparency. Right, right, right. This is not the time for spin. Exactly. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I never really love spin, but I'm very impressed by those who do it well. Oh, for sure. But you can always, <laughs> if you're perceptive of enough, you can read between the lines and and understand what's really happening. But people yeah. don't want to read between the lines. They want to be communicated directly mm-hmm. and um, with clarity. And we had talked about this when we were preparing for today's conversation. And I love this quote because I think it's, and it's, it's just very concise. Clarity is kindness. And I think that uh, you had mentioned Brene Brown kind of has a similar quote as Mm -hmm. well. Um, But I, and I love that. It's so true. And, and it's just respectful to, to bring clarity um, for a number of reasons. One, that transparency Two, um, just giving a a clear outline of what's expected. Um, People know how to navigate that better. And it Mm -hmm. feels it feels like a respectful move when someone is clear with you. Yes. And I love that. It's, it's showing, it's a way to show respect. Yeah. You have respect for the person that you're talking with, that they can understand what you're telling them and that you trust them in the knowledge that you're sharing with them too. And that, Mm -hmm. and on the, and that for that person on the other side, of the conversation that feels really good. Everybody wants to feel like they're res- like they are respected mm-hmm. and they are trusted. Again, mm-hmm. being in that psychological safety piece. I mean, we talk about it all the time. How all these different leadership topics are really interrelated to each other, and this is just another example of that. Absolutely. I'm really challenging myself to say, well, you know, it's, it's, it seems obvious, like, of course you need transparency in order for people to feel trust in you and your leadership abilities. And of course it's a, an important aspect of communication. I wanted to challenge myself on to, well, then why doesn't it happen all the time? And mm-hmm. why have so many of us experienced what it feels like to be in an organization where there is a lack of transparency, where leaders don't make transparent decisions and don't communicate transparently, that's pretty common, right? I mean, that happens all the time. And so why is that, you Mm -hmm. know? And, and I think it, when we are in positions where of power or um, high level roles Heck, even as a um, parent with children, (laughs) like there are times when there is information that we just can't share. We can't share it with everyone. It's not everyone's information to have. Right. Oh, I like that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like oversharing is not the goal. Transparency doesn't equal oversharing either. And we all have experience of those overshares. We know, we all know 
and I've all experienced people that, you know, share too much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's kind of reminds me of, um, I think they say this in the military quite a bit. It's you're on a need to know basis. (laughs) Need to know basis. Yeah. There are times when decision-making is, uh, needs to be, um, that need to know basis. And, Mm -hmm. um, but then how in those situations can you continue to, to develop that trust and continue to be transparent, um, which is a valuable thing for your team, right? Like you still have to find um, levels of transparency. And um, I found a quote by Simon Sinek, who is, I think, brilliant on all things mm-hmm. communication and leadership. And he's one said, of my favorites. Yes. He said, transparency doesn't mean sharing every detail. Transparency means providing the context for the decisions we make. Yes. I love that. The context for the decisions we make, give them the information that they need to know. Yeah. So that they can trust that you are making the best decision you can make Mm -hmm. given the information that you have. And not everyone's going to have that same information, but we can trust that you are making your best decision because you've provided us context. You've provided a us with the why mm-hmm. is why are we in the situation we're in? Why are we making decisions? Why is the timing what it is? Um, why can we trust you that you are going that you're in the decision making position? Um, there's a lot. There's a lot that you can share to provide some transparency without providing all of the information that really shouldn't be given to everyone at every time. Right, right. It's not necessarily focusing on the what of the information, but the why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, I, you know, I think as we develop these cultures where there can be trust and transparency and in, in between our leaders and, our, and among our teams, then people can feel more confident that even if they don't have information, even if they don't know every detail, they can feel confident that you as the leader are accountable for the information that you're Mm -hmm. not sharing with them. Yes. That's a really good distinctive point. An excellent point. And also if you do, if you can do this once very well, then you've already set yourself up down the road for people to trust you again, when there's change, when there's uncertainty, when there are big decisions to make, you've already example, you've already illustrated that you can be trustworthy in that inform, you know, with the information that they have and sharing that with you in a way that helps you do your job. Because that's mm-hmm. what it's really all about is, well, what is the information, you know, that I'll, I need to know in order to do the job that I have to do and to perform. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's additive. Trust is additive. Mm -hmm. And, um, and there are going to be times when you can be more transparent and in those times take advantage of that and, and share more so that people do really have that continue to build upon that trust. So we've mentioned the word trust a lot because it, it is a real key piece as to why it's important for leaders to have transparency in communication. And Mandy, you've looked into this a little bit about how um, 
women in leadership kind of portray trust? Yeah, it's interesting because the general consensus has been, and research proves it, that women are perceived as being more trustworthy. Um, But there's also relatively new uh, research that has uh, showed a shift in this. And it was actually, I was taken by surprise, is quite shocked by this. And I really wanted to, to know more um, that why trust in women uh, has fallen. And, you know, you and I were talking about this earlier and we both kind of agreed that, well, there is, this is a much nuanced uh, topic than I think it had been in the past. I think that trustworthiness trustworthiness has been more straightforward, but now it's becoming way more nuanced and you're bringing in, um, especially during the pandemic, you're bringing in the ideas that when there are times of uncertainty, we fall back on traditional roles. So what does that mean? There are less, there are more, people are more comfortable with men in senior leadership positions. When there's a big amount of change, people want to go back to the norms. Um, and also, I think that um, women, because of the pandemic, women had to step back. There were obligations and pressures at home and taking care of the family um, where they just had to step back. So they were less visible than where they had been in the past. Um, and I, what, what about you, Stephanie? I know, you know, we talked about this at some length and w- what yeah. were your thoughts on this? Where, where. Well, I, you know, I'm going to, I like you, I was, I was surprised, but also kind of disheartened when I read mm-hmm. it was it was a BBC yeah. article that's uh, cited um, the this new research and and they were looking at suitability for positions of power between men and women. And like you said, traditionally, women ranked very highly in levels of trust. Um, for women leaders, you know, not just women generally, but like leadership and and in our work, everything that we're talking about here on this podcast. And so when I heard that in 2022, it significantly fell, levels of trust for women leaders fell, I guess I was confused, but also kind of like, ah, oh, bummed, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and I think I get more discouraged by it when I think about the why, like the things that you've just mentioned, like the pandemic happened, which none of us had control over. And mm-hmm. now women are in this position where we're taking on more traditional roles. We're stepping out of uh, work roles, but we're also now stepping back in, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. maybe what we're seeing, I maybe what we're seeing is just the fallout, you know, how there's that ripple effect and something happens now. And then three years down the line, that changes some data. And then three Mm -hmm. years down the line, the data is going to change again. Yeah. Um, That that's my hope. But also we know that culturally, politically, we're going through some real challenges about Mm -hmm. the way women are talked about, um, Mm -hmm. thought about, and, um, that's discouraging. Yep. Yep. It is. And I, and it just kind of lines up with everything else that the pandemic has shown to affect women in the workplace, right? It's just yeah. another great something else that we have to overcome 
as a challenge in the workplace for women. Mm-hmm. And um, luckily, this is just one. I think it's important to distinguish this was just one study, right? Yeah. So exactly, just one data point. And Google bigger, likes it, right? They're popping it right up to the top <laughs> of right, the algorithm. Did. But yes, yes it, you're yes. right. It's not. I, it's one study, and I'm sure it, it it looks to be we've vetted it a little bit. It looks to be some legitimate data um, sure. covering the G7 countries. So it's it's not just one random country out in the world. It is it it's a legit study, but right. I don't you know. We can't take too much stock in it yet because right. we talked about perspective too. When we're you're in, in the still. middle, we're in the middle of the moment, and it's and because we don't have the benefit of perspective, it's really hard to see how this is going to. Obviously, you can't see how this is going to play out. Meaning, right. is this is this an actual real trend, or is this just because? Well, this was just. Um, you know, a byproduct of the pandemic combined with some of the societal and cultural pressures and changes? Mm-hmm. Um, or is this truly a new kind of uh, trend? And mm-hmm. I, we'll see. the bottom of my gut says that it's not. Because, I agree. Yeah. Because guess what? We've always risen to the occasion. We've always managed to push forward and get past the challenges or at mm-hmm. least work to overcoming the challenges. That's yeah. what we've done. That's what we've done as women, right? Through the centuries and centuries of history, we've been continuing to fight for more equality and yep. and have will continue to demonstrate value, impact, and leadership in every industry and in every role that we take on. I mean, I I know that sounds a bit like go women, but yeah, go women. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We work, you know, we, we work with so many women leaders and it's not, this isn't, this kind of negative data point is not something that we're seeing from an individual level. Um, So I think that's why we're so confused about this. Because yeah. that's not what we literally are seeing on the ground. We're right. seeing co- something completely different. So. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, I, I think you brought up a great point that it's like time will tell a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and this is going to be something that we maybe pop back over to. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up in this context because on this podcast, we're promising to bring real conversations of real issues that people are facing in the workplace today. And so it's not always going to be perfect. It's not always going to look rosy, um, but it's important to address it. And I'd be curious, you know, if anyone out there is seeing this, experiencing this, uh, a lack of trust from others, if you are Mm. feeling a lack of trust for women in leadership roles, or if you're just shocked by this information, like I would love to hear from you. We'd, we'd love for you to reach out to us and share your thoughts on this, because I think it's a great, it's a, it's an interesting conversation to have, um, especially knowing all of the, the positive and strong leadership qualities that women naturally Mm -hmm. carry with us. Um, this was one that, I don't know, we'll see. Kind of made our head scratch. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
So for the rest of our um, episode today, we've got uh, an interview with Allison Shank, and she is one of those leaders who is just steady. She's wise. She's humble. And she always, every time I've talked with her has left me going, Oh my goodness. Let me write that down. She's just so smart. Um, Allison joined Ashland in 2015 and is currently leading the global pharmaceutical coatings business. Prior to Ashland, Allison was a finance leader within the legacy Merchant Gases business unit of Air Products and Chemicals. She started her career with Bank of America and the Consumer Real Estate Group prior to pursuing an MBA from Purdue University. Here's our conversation with Allison. For me, I think that I split my career in, in two um eras, so to speak. There's my pre-business school time and then my my post-business school time frame. And I would say business school was one of those first uh, transformative decisions that I made as far as where I wanted to take my career. I started out um, graduating from, from undergrad in with a degree in economics and decided to go into banking. But at the at the time, uh, went into mortgage banking and it was right around the that bubble, like the pre-bubble time. Mm. And I remember being there working with some some great individuals. And my boss at the time kept saying to me, why are you here? You should be going to business school. Like, just move on. This is not this is not uh, the right place for you. And so oh, interesting. I. Um, he he really kind of encouraged me and pushed me to to consider that, and so I it had always been part of my plan, but I wanted to have a little bit of work experience before doing that, and so I went to Purdue and got my MBA. And uh, after my MBA, I was recruited by Air Products and Chemicals, a company based out of Allentown, Pennsylvania, where I went into a career development program. And it, within that career development program, I got to try out a variety of roles in finance, marketing, treasury. So I got to have a flavor for some different things that I could be doing um, with the company. And in addition to that, trying out different business units, which is also interesting. So you got to have a broader understanding of, of what the company did. And once that program was over, I moved into a, what they call a full-time role, even though I was working full-time mm -hmm. prior to that, but supporting a couple of different businesses and um, mostly in, as a financial analyst. And then about eight and a half years ago, I decided to, to make a switch. We decided as a family to move to be closer to um, the area where my husband grew up. And we, I ended up finding a role at Ashland and the role at Ashland has led to a lot of really great opportunities. I've in that time frame had um, really about three different roles and all three of them have imparted a great wealth of knowledge and, and led me to, to where I am today. 
So you have in your career, um, and especially in your role now, taken on a lot of leadership positions and um, are certainly a leader in your department and role. So what is one leadership skill that has been the most impactful for you and your career? This question, Stephanie, actually took me a little bit of time to to think through because there's a lot of different uh, skills that I believe I've learned uh, throughout my my years working. And when I reflect on what I believe is what has enabled the success that I've had, at least in, in the most recent um, roles, is transparent communication. To me, um, I think that there's there can be a tendency for individuals and leaders to to do some kind of information hoarding and uh, perhaps not sharing the full view of a project or what the situation and then putting really the team in a situation where there's a a, a failure or a lack of collaboration because the the team isn't working with the full facts and what I've found is that if I have that transparent communication with a team, it allows me to build trust. And by building that trust with the team, it allows them to feel safe speaking up. And then we can open the doors to sharing, to experimenting and knowing that it's okay to try new things, that not everything is going to work, um, to maybe take some risks sometimes and um, and maybe come to a a point where you do something that maybe you didn't think was achievable and and actually get it accomplished. Um, And I think that this one comes hand in hand though with also active listening in Mm. in order to really be able to fully implement it. So say more about active listening. How, like, how do you, how do you do that? Well, I mean, there's a lot, especially when you get to certain levels in a career, there is a whole lot of noise and there's a whole lot to be done. And sometimes um, that side of communication, the real active listening side can be a real challenge. So how do you do that? Really, I just remind myself to be quiet and just listen. And then if I pick up on certain themes or ideas, then I like to, when I, when I, find a good pause in the conversation, restate those, and also ensure that I'm giving credit or bringing up who spoke that particular idea so that I can kind of create that cohesion of this isn't me speaking and trying to, you know, take uh, take credit for something. It's more, okay, I'm, I'm hearing what this person is saying here. And then I also think it fits with what this other person is saying there. And if I take these two things combined, does it mean this? And then at times it could open the the door to, well, no, that's not what we're saying. And so really we're saying this. And so then we can do X, Y, and Z. Or alternatively, yeah, that's exactly it. And, And if we both now understand it this way, we think we can actually find a solution that does why, because, you know, understanding more about what Sally had to say um, on this topic, you know, clear, clarified something for me. So uh, I think uh, just kind of sitting back and, and knowing that I don't have all the answers and, and trying to listen for those opportunities where I can ask the questions that I think might take the team to that next level. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of that humility of, I don't know it all. Let me listen in and engage and learn more. So you mentioned that there are a lot of um, leadership skills that you think have really taken you to this level. I'm curious, is there more? I know I asked you for one, but I'm curious if there is more that you have to share on those as you were kind of collecting your thoughts. I think that the first one that popped into my mind was accountability. Mm -hmm. And this one was one that I learned very early on in, in my career, even before going to business school and understanding that when you're leading a team, it, um, it doesn't matter you know, what other individuals are um, doing or not doing. Ultimately, if you're leading that team, whether it's directly because they report into you or if you're more of an influencing role, um, the goal of the team is still out there. And if the individuals that are helping you with that aren't doing what they're doing, it's your responsibility as a leader to get them there. And so that's where I think accountability kind of comes in is understanding that you're not just in control for your actions and what you're doing, but it's also sometimes the, the actions of, of the team that you're working with and making sure that they have the tools that they need, that they understand what the expectations are, that they know what the deadlines are so that they can also assist in, in achieving those goals. Um, because otherwise you can uh, kind of lean back and be like, well, you know, Sally didn't do what she's supposed to. I keep picking on Sally. Sally, um, Sally <laughs> pull it together. <laughs> um, didn't do what she was supposed to. And and then, uh, but in reality, it's you as a leader have to ensure that you are being clear and kind of, I mean, it goes back to that communication and mm-hmm. ensuring that uh, the expectations have been communicated adequately um, and that everybody is in a way, you know, rowing in the same direction to, mm-hmm. to achieve the goal that's been set out. You know, it's interesting because so much of what you've mentioned so far in terms of these leadership skills really revolve around how you are relating with other people on your team, taking accountability, um, developing trustful relationships by being transparent and communicating openly. Um, and so, of course, with leadership as it does, a lot of it boils down to relationship building. And I know that's something that is a real strength of yours. So I'm curious, how do you demonstrate that um, when you're working with teams? And maybe even like what what kind of value do you place on that relationship building piece? It's it's an important one for me. Um, I I think that oftentimes we forget about the fact that we're, we're all people and that we're all contributing and that um, we're all trying to do the best that we can. And so I think being mindful of, of the individuals on the team, when I meet, when I say that we need to be clear about the goals and be clear about the objective that to me is being respectful to those team members. And I think that at the same time, those team members then um, feel appreciated and feel 
at least that they understand what the parameters are within which they need to be operating. And it also, again, allows them to um, open up and say, well, this timeline doesn't make sense, or here are the things that you're not considering. But if you at least feel listened to, you might still not end up with with the the direction that perhaps this individual wanted to go, but you've listened, you've taken the time, and you've provided the feedback of here's why we're not doing it. And it's not that because your idea isn't valid. It's there's these other things that perhaps are a higher priority. And it's an, again, it, I, it goes really into this idea of transparency isn't about, oh, let me tell you every single little detail about this particular project. Mm-hmm. It's about laying out, here are the key things that we're looking to achieve. And we know that there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on in the background behind that. And here are the things that are truly critical and important. And I understand that this one piece perhaps is going to be very cumbersome for you, but in the context of the broader project, it is small and we're just going to have to find a way to manage through it. So if there's a way to ease the pain, let's try to find a way to ease the pain, but but it still has to happen. What you're describing really sounds like a great tip for handling any kind of difficult conversation, which of course we have often as leaders is, you know, being really clear. I, I quote often Brene Brown, she says, clear is kind. And you described why it is because it gives people the transparent information and also the the guardrails that we all need to operate within, just be very clear. And so it does especially help in those more challenging situations where people are, we're in tough work projects. We've got challenging deadlines. We're being asked to do things that we're capable of, but it's a push. Yeah. I think it's at at the end of the day, right. Again, going back to the relationship point, it's being respectful and mindful of others. And, and that can be done in them. It's not just about how you say things and what you're saying to them. It's being respectful and kind to their work is only one aspect of their, of their lives. Right. So um, just as I want to have my time respected, then we mm-hmm. want to be be mindful of the whole package, not just one one aspect of it. Gosh, that's so true. It's so true. So, um, you know, as I talk with more and more successful women in business, it does seem as though there are kind of two paths up the ladder that I've I've been noticing, and and one is being proactive with a real focused career path. And the other being a bit more open to whatever opportunities kind of come your way, someone who's and kind of always says yes and sees where that land where that leads them. Um, obviously, both because I'm talking with successful women, both options are smart, hardworking, dedicated leaders. But kind of taking two different philosophies, and I'm I wonder what is your philosophy on career progression. For me, it's not that black or white. Uh, I, well, I really it never is. No, right? <laughs> the world is gray. It's very gray. Um, and so uh, I, I think that uh, I kept, as I was as I was thinking through this, I was thinking of that uh, little meme, and I think I've seen Adam Grant share it, where it's, it's a, you know, a straight line up, and it's, you know, tra- talking about your plan and your goals and and uh, the reality is that it's, you know, more like a little roller coaster. And mm-hmm. so 
I really think that because that is what happens and you have to be able to adapt and be ready to switch between um, those, those two paths in terms of career progression. And so the way that I kind of see it is more of a kind of, I have a vision for where I want my career to end, so to speak, and what I want to accomplish um, from the working side of my life. And then I viewed kind of the other piece as, okay, now what are the blocks that are gonna get me there? And it's not a, they're not blocks that are just going to be stacked on top of each other. Right. And, and there you are. It's um, I do a, then B, then C and boom, I get to where I want to go. It's more, I think that um, it's a little bit of like, choose your own adventure <laughs> and you're going to get to a, a fork in the road and you're going to have to make decisions. And sometimes that might mean that somebody's telling you, Hey, there's this great opportunity. And I think that then it's not always about saying yes. It's about understanding where does that fit in the experiences I need to obtain in order to achieve that ultimate end point. And so at times I think that we, if we, if we become too pigeonholed in terms of, I have to first be in sales and then I have to then get be a, a, an account manager because that's the next step. And then after that, I need to be a regional leader and then this and that, and then you're, you're building, um, you might miss out on opportunities that could give you the same skills um, and also might give you a broader understanding of a space or give you the opposite understanding so that you know what you're facing. So as an example, if you think that you can only achieve something by being in sales and being selling something to a customer, but you get offered an opportunity in uh, procurement, mm -hmm. you're the customer, right? And you're being sold to, you're still learning that negotiating skill. You're still learning all of that, but it's the opposite side of it. And I think mm -hmm. maybe that's a really easy example to see the link, but I think that there's a lot of times where being open to those opportunities as well, but in the context of the greater experience it might give you is how I really like to think through the, the path versus mm -hmm. um, having to have this laid out plan that isn't going to be realistic because not everything is going to go according to, to what you expect. Mm -hmm. You know, what you mentioned there reminds me of sometimes people see in us things that we don't see in ourselves. And oftentimes that's when offers for roles, especially, especially internally roles um, will come along and it's because someone sees a path that you don't know yet that you're not as familiar with, and they're kind of helping guide you on that. Um, generally, that's kind of, especially when they're coming from people who are more like mentors and and who who are looking for you to succeed. It can be helpful to be open in those ways. And I think that's, it's absolutely true, Stephanie. I, I think that um, always networking and always having those conversations and and and, you know, a mentor doesn't have to be a formal 
relationship. It can be even peer to peer and, and being able to have those conversations with somebody else and understanding that uh, perhaps there are other ways to build that skill set or to be able to see yourselves through through their eyes of here's where I think that your strengths are and why I think that this is, you know, this could be a good role for you. I think um, that is definitely something that that we all should be leveraging as mm-hmm. as we think about how to to move forward in our careers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think there's that good balance between intentionality, you know, not being apathetic, not just showing up and doing hard work and expecting that to get you to the next level hard work is required, good quality work is required, but there's, you also have to do some real intentional um, work to show your drive and to build relationships, to network, um, to make yourself visible in places. So it's, it's almost like balancing the two. And it's really uncomfortable to do that for some, for some people, for some people, it's very natural to be able to, uh, go out there and talk about what you've been doing and how, you know, you've helped in this area and done that and, and allow yourself to uh, really broaden your network so that a lot of different people know what you've been working on and therefore opening yourself up potentially to, to opportunities or experiences, um, whether directly or indirectly. And, you know, for others, it's a little bit, tougher to do that. But at least what I've found is it's not about going there with this intention of, well, I'm going to go have this conversation because if I have a conversation with this person, it's going to get me to this. It's more about, okay, what can I bring to this person as far as them growing as an individual. And I know that they have these skills that I want to learn. So let me learn from them and kind of have it be a a mutual conversation. And it doesn't have to be more than that. It can just be bouncing ideas, understanding, you know, pathways that one could take. I just want to thank you for being on here today. And and I know I did not um, kind of prep you for this, but I'm curious if you were to think about kind of a a tote bag item that you think every woman should have carry with her, whether it's um, a posture uh, and a skill or an actual product. Is there anything that you think all women should have in their tote bag? I'm a big fan of the power pose. The power pose. Oh, I love so, it. Remind us. Cause I think we talked about this on a previous episode, but it t- remind us what the power pose is. I think it came from a study done by, I think it's Ann Cuddy, maybe um, Mm -hmm. her name. And I think what was found is that if you spend, you know, like, I think it's three to five minutes in like a superwoman pose or another kind of superhero type pose, um, it actually boosts your, your confidence and your energy. And so I've found um, that it works. So uh, I I have done this a couple of times, even, you know, it, it doesn't really matter whether it's a, a work thing or a personal thing. It, sometimes doing that just if you're about to, to go out there and have to uh, maybe talk to a big 
group of people or mm -hmm. something along those lines, it can, it can help kind of set you up for yeah. uh, a more confident uh, frame of mind. Totally. I think it's Amy Cuddy. Um, and yes, it's like hands on hips. Like I've heard women who have learned about this say that before a big meeting or before they go in for a review or a presentation, they'll go in the bathroom and stand in the stall and do a power pose for a couple minutes. And that it does really make all the difference at women or men, you know, this is anyone, but it, it makes all the difference in their confidence and their presence when they, when they perform. Yeah. So, I, that's a good one. I've definitely used it and I've, it's definitely worked for me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we really appreciate everything you shared today and um, hope to talk with you again soon. Thank you, Stephanie. Appreciate the opportunity. Wow. Allison is just so fantastic. She is just the absolute real deal when it comes to a true leader. It's always great talking with her. You know, in the spirit of what she shared at, at the beginning of our, our conversation about active listening, my one thing to try this month is to say less and listen more. So in those conversations you're having with colleagues, um, practice that active listening, say less, listen more. Love it. That's easy to say, harder to do. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. So Mandy, what you got in that bag? So I have the art of saying no. And this popped into my head because it's September. We're back, you know, everybody's back in school. We are getting into the thick of it, the middle of it. And which means you have all of these new obligations, all of these things that people are asking you to do, to take, to take part of and be responsible for. And I volunteer. think it's so, and volunteer, right. And do I think things. that- all the things. And you have to say no to, you may want to help and, and you can, but you don't have to say yes to everything. Because remember when you say yes to something, that means you're saying no to something else. That's right. So Everything's a trade-off. It is. It is. So you know what, if you don't really feel like being a member of the PTA, it's okay. You can say no. Yeah. And remember no is a complete sentence. <laughs> I love that. No, period. Yeah, there's some strength <laughs> in that, you know, for yourself and, and among others. So absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us today. Be a part of the conversation and connect with us on Instagram at Soar Lead. Also, please show us some appreciation for this podcast. Because you know what? This is just how we grow and make sure that we uh, get ourselves out there. Make sure to follow, rate, and review us, please, on Apple Podcast. And keep those conversations coming. And share this with your own work BFF. Thanks for tuning in. Join us next time for another Women Who Work conversation. Conversation.